0: Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Innever, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Jenny Wright about the power of creating connection points in your list building. Jenny Wright is an online marketing strategist, list builder, and lead generation expert. She's also the creator of List Profits, her own successful system of building your list through attraction and permission marketing. Hello, Jenny, and welcome.
1: Thank you, Clive. how, is, how was, Sorry, how are you? <laughs>
0: I'm absolutely on top of the world thank you Jenny. So where have we found you geographically?
1: I'm in Toronto Canada which is in the province of Ontario it's on the east coast of Canada.
0: Goodness me, you took away all my questions with all that answer. Now here I am in Victoria Australia and we're coming into winter time and indeed we're having a very interesting weather winter at the moment because it's only early autumn really. And we've already had snow on, couple, on a couple of the hills around here. And they really are hills compared to what you have. But what's happening in the area of climate over in your place?
1: It's spring. It's just about to be spring. We've had probably about four or five days reasonably warm weather. That's for us about 15 degrees Celsius. And we're going to get the spring rains. So April showers for us. The saying is April showers bring Mayflowers, And so we're about to go into our late March, early April rains, which will, you know, help bring everything to life and help everything seed and all those wonderful things. And we're heading into spring. So within the next, but the funny thing is it's Canada and we have had snow as late as my birthday, which is May 1st. So there is still the possibility of snow. Uh, we We know in Canada, we don't, you know, sort of count our eggs before they're hatched. So technically it's spring, but we're still keeping our snow boots and our winter coats prepped and ready to go.
0: Excellent. And when I think of Canada, I think of snow and ice and all sorts of wonderful things. But Toronto, you you must be pretty close to a rather large lake.
1: Uh, we're on one of the Great Lakes. So we're on Lake Ontario, which is one of the Great Lakes within Canada. And it's one of the bigger ones. And I know you think of ice and snow, but in the summer, it can get over 100 degrees Celsius, uh, sorry, 100 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, Thirty. 4, 38 42 degrees Celsius and the humidity can be as high as like 60 or even 70 or even 80 percent humidity so it gets really really warm here in the summers and in the winters it can get very very cold so there is that huge huge sort of swing
0: yeah it's a big swing so if you're right on the one of those rather large lakes just across the water would be the states.
1: Yep on a very clear day you can see New York State. You can see the little little smokestacks from a factory that must be close to their waterfront. And on a very clear day, you can see it. And at nighttime, if it's very clear, you can see a little flashing light. So from I guess from one of those smokestacks uh, for planes and whatnot. So we can see it. We know it's there. Um, yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they liked it, those Americans. They liked it, let you know they're there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Now, Jenny, we've got you on here to tell us all about, well, I, I want to hear more about Canada, but the people listening probably want to know about list building, because here we are in this world, especially post-COVID-19, where we many of us had to discover how to work from home and work online and that sort of thing. So list building is probably a rather important part. How on earth did you get into marketing, list building, that type of thing?
1: It's a, it's a it's a good story, and I'm a bad storyteller, but I will do my best. I fell into it by complete and utter accident. I was working in a gold mining company in marketing and communications and investor relations, so there was a bit of marketing and whatnot in there. No real list building to talk about, and it was a startup, and startups are notorious for having swells and you know gullies and things like that, and in one of these gullies, I was one of the people that left. And while I was looking for a new job, my best friend was a real estate agent. And she said, hey, I need somebody to come and help me as a virtual assistant. I need to get my newsletter out. So I need the newsletter loaded. I need my my mailings to be done. So I need envelopes to be licked and stamped and sent. I need all these little tasks to be done. And while you're looking, you can do this and I'll pay you. And it just so happened that... Uh, real estate agents all have email lists because that's how they communicated with their potential clients. And they were using a constant contact, which is still around, but it's pretty archaic um, back then. And so I started helping her with her newsletter list. And from there, other people in her office asked me to help them. And then they were asking me how to grow their list. And there was this interesting sort of realization. There really was a light bulb moment where I was like, this is a thing. And it's not only just for real estate agents, There's this booming online world that's growing, and they need it too. And to make ends meet, I was working for all these people, but I was also freelancing on Fiverr. If anybody knows what Fiverr is, it's an online site where you pay as little as $5 for a gig to get somebody to do some work for you. The prices can be higher than that. So I was doing all this research for these people who wanted to grow their email list because now I was interested. And I was learning all these different things from these people. And I had this moment where I was like, okay, there's these things that people are doing. They're called summits, this online list build. And they're getting, instead of having one or two emails trickle in a week, they're building a list of like 5,000 in 90 days. I, I want to be I, me, me, I want to do that. So that was where I started honing my focus. I was like, forget this one, onesies and twosies. I want this 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 thing happening. Let's talk about that. And so I started to learn that system through these online events called summits. And that's where I started focusing. And here we are at the time of this recording. We are two weeks past my nine-year anniversary working online since I started doing this list building stuff.
0: Well done on surviving nine years and obviously growing. But that's some pretty serious scalability, moving from onesies and twosies to numbers like you mentioned. So what particular skills did you have to discover and learn in order to keep doing this?
1: That is a fantastic question. And I'm going to be completely transparent with my answer. The fact that I am not a consistent person by nature. I am a starter and stopper. And Clive's having a good giggle because I think, yeah, it's 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 funny because that's the truth. I'm a starter and I'm a stopper. I'm like, oh, this looks good today. This doesn't look good today. So I will do that. But the thing that I needed to learn was the consistency. The other thing I needed to learn is I needed to drop that formality that I had from coming from a Fortune 500 company where you literally speak in some sort of a jargon slash almost like iambic pentameter of... Fortune 500 companies speak, and I had to drop that when I came online. So those are two things that really had to happen for me. I had to really hone my story and who I am as a person, not as Jenny Wright, the marketing, communications, and investor relations person. It was Jenny Wright, the online entrepreneur who happens to be really freaking good at what she does. So you know, how do I hone that? So those are two huge skills I had to figure out. And trust me, they took a heck of a lot longer than they should have talking years here. Uh, So, you know, not probably the best thing, wish I could go back and change it, but that's, that's sort of the story of it.
0: And the shiny object syndrome seems to get a lot of people
1: it does. I mean, I'm really good now. I haven't fallen for it probably. I mean, I have a really good realization as to when I might do it. I, I sort of feel the tingle and the hairs go up in my arm a little bit before something like that happens. And I'm like, no, no uh, not today, not happening. So I haven't done shiny object syndrome probably in a good four or five years. But for those first two and a half years or three years of business, oh my gosh, I was unstoppable in terms of like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, that's what that person's doing. And I was flitting around all over the place. I was a VA at the time. And I was a generalist, Clive. The worst thing you can do. I was a generalist, which means I can do anything. And it's true. In real life, put any problem in front of me, I will figure it out or Google it or find the person to fix it. Like a problem will get solved. I'm one of those people that you give your running shoes to when you get the knots in them that you can't get out because I will get that thing out. I'm a good generalist, but I wasn't being a specialist. And that was so hard for me to be a specialist. And it really sort of set the business back a step early on. And being a specialist meant that I had to get really good at one thing, which was going to be list building because that's where I wanted to focus. And once I became a specialist, I was like, well, I have no excuses not to be consistent And if I'm going to be a specialist, then I'm really going to hone my story. And I'm really going to make sure that people understand what it is that I do and who I am. And I kind of went that way. Does that sort of answer it?
0: And so so focus took away all the loss and waste, notwithstanding initially it, it looked like a bad decision. Being able to focus on what you're really, really good at Meant that. Well, you tell me, me what it meant. Right, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Jenny. What What did it mean? Once you found that you could focus on this thing and you could talk to potential customers about this thing, how was the reaction? And what happened to your business as a result of that?
1: Well, the few months before I actually became that specialist in list building and lead generation were probably the scariest couple months of my of my entrepreneur entrepreneurial career because I was scared that going from a generalist to a specialist meant that I would lose everybody because I had to say goodbye to a couple of people. Clive, I was ghostwriting, posting blogs, doing this. I was, honestly, if you told me I had to bake muffins while doing all of this, I would have done that too. Like whatever was gonna work, I was gonna do. And when I went and became a specialist, my partner, by the way, is the person who pushed me to do it. And thank goodness he did. When I specialized, I actually made more money. I actually got more clients and the business actually grew and my expertise and renown in the field being known for what I do grew. There was this, you know, some people were like, Oh, there, you know, that's Jenny, Wright. She's done at the time, 200 summits, 250 summits, 300 summits, you know, hundreds of webinars, et cetera. And by zoning in on that one thing and getting known for that one thing, that's when I started getting asked to be on podcasts on people's summits to participate in other things, joint ventures all of that became available and everything around my business, including all of the peripheral skills that you build, all of those elevated. So even though I thought being a generalist was great, it was the worst thing and I was in it too long. And the specialization has been the accelerator in the business. And you already knew all these answers, but I'm glad you asked me just the same.
0: <laughs> and of course, the reason we want to know the answers is, is just to show that here you are you're uh, at the risk of sounding like I'm putting you down you're a normal person who wants to help other people Uh, and of course we call this through a guise of business but you actually want to help other people and you've got all these things that you think you're good at and of course you spread yourself thin and nobody really knows who you are you have less clarity than anybody else, but once you discover, okay, I want to focus on a particular thing, you develop the clarity, you then understand who your client is with far greater clarity. That gives you far more certainty to go out and talk to the right people, deliver what it is that you're actually good at, and surprise, surprise, here's the important part, they want it, (laughs) which in turn delivers a level of comfort to you that you hadn't previously known. Is Did I get that right?
1: Completely on the nose, perfectly. It's like you know what you're talking about, Clive.
0: <laughs> who'd, who'd have thought?
1: <laughs> who would have thought? Who'd have thunk, as we say.
0: <laughs> That's right. Who'd have thunk it? So now that you actually know who you are and you have that clarity to deliver your message clearly, You then went and figured out, hang on, this is something that you can provide to all sorts of people. And you came up with a list builder strategy and you gave it a name.
1: I did. called it List Profits. There's a lot of people who can help you build your list, but the problem is, are you building a list of buyers, people who are going to buy the thing? So I wanted to marry the lead generation with the profit making. Uh, one of the skills that I developed as being a specialist was way back in the day when summits were first happening and it was that sort of wild west, that heyday of summit building. There was this whole premise of your summit's going to be 21 days long, which by the way is insanity. Nobody does anything for 21 days right now, so except apparently lockdowns. So 21 days of a summit, one expert per day, and then you were going to spend the next six weeks working on connecting with those leads before you even made an offer. So if you did the math, you were looking at something in the range of, you know, two to three months before you could make a sale. I thought that was insane. And I sure as heck did not have the time nor the patience, because I don't have a lot of patience. I'm very much the hit the ground running kind of person. I didn't have the patience to wait for that. And I'm like, oh, heck no, we're not doing this anymore. So I cut all of my client summits down from 21 days down to eight Cause I knew the math, I knew the metrics, I, I love data. And the data was showing me that after about eight or nine days, the attendance levels in your summits were dropping so drastically. So we needed to keep those people interested. So we cut summits down to eight days and we started making offers during the actual event and right quickly thereafter. So some of my clients were starting to make money during their summit, like right in the summit and being like, wow, I, you know, I got 2000 people on my summit but then I closed $40,000 worth of sales. So it became a thing where it became list building and profit generation. So it became list profit. And list profit is you know just my way of making sure that the list builds that we're creating generate the sales that we need afterwards to support the business and create the ROI.
0: And of course, what you noticed in those early days was that you were not the only person who suffered from shiny object syndrome, because here are all these people going, woohoo, here's a wonderful thing. But by a third of the way through the, the project, they've gone, I think there's something else shinier out there.
1: Exactly. Nobody was sticking around for 21 days. I mean, and at the time, people were like, oh, put your best experts at the end of your summit. So they never even got the light of day, quite honestly, because nobody ever watched them, which was sort of a little bit of a slap in the face to these big, huge gurus on the mountain kind of thing. So by shortening it up and having two or three experts per day, more people were getting seen, there was more exposure. You were still building your list to the same size. It was still that ability, but everything, I I just like streamlining. I like, I like making things lean and mean and creating a, oh, this is going to sound ridiculous, lean and mean and creating a profit machine. So I just made some rhyming. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> of course, we know if we... If we look at the statistics that are put together on people who go into business, and I'll quote Australian numbers, but they're not all that different all around the world. 65% of people who go into business, or 65% of businesses that start, fail within the first three years. So here you are. You're suggesting that because you were able to focus on something that you can specialise in, that people actually want, (laughs) you can still be here in nine years time and not just smiling, but uh, feeling really good about the world.
1: Yeah. And, and creating, you know, creating a space that I never thought I'd be able to do this. in. I mean, I created, I created my own niche in a way and that can be incredibly uh, profound and lucrative and feels really good when you're able to help people on something incredibly specific. And instead of thinking that if I go, if I, if I do the specific, if I actually go specialist that I'll only have a small group of people to serve, I actually opened myself up to more people. So it was, it was a very interesting thing. And I learned something about myself because as a generalist, I was actually making a lot of mistakes. I wasn't helping people to the fullest. I was, you know, I wasn't the best ghost writer. I wasn't the best person to post your blogs. I wasn't the best website developer, And I certainly as heck was like, not the best VA. I mean, I'm good, but I wasn't the best at it. And by being the best at what I do now in lead generation and list building, then people can actually see some incredible results. So as opposed to mediocre Jenny, now we're getting like, it's, it's full throttle, full octane, too many car references, but it's a really good opportunity to help people excel at a really different rate.
0: And as you know, I help people discover the clarity to more easily engage with more of their ideal clients more often. Tremendous number of people out there run into the same issue that you ran into. That is, this is not really working. And when you looked at it, okay, what if I specialize in something that I'm actually good at? There was the fear jumped in and and said, settle down, Jenny. Uh, We don't want you losing all of your clients. What is it that allowed you, whereas a lot of people, I hear from a lot of people that they've got that issue, but when they look at it, they go, if I go over there and specialise, I won't have as many clients. If I stay here, I've got clients. Now, the clients they've got aren't paying them enough. They're not, the person, the business itself is not delivering the right outcome for the clients, So the client's not going to pay any more. What was it that allowed you to overcome that fear of stepping out there and finding what I try and take people to all the time? Here is your expertise. This is what people want. Oh golly, look at that, they marry up. What allowed you to step over that fear and go bang, crash through and whoopie doo, here you are?
1: There was a turning point in the business and there was a turning point for me. And once I hit that turning point, it was like, I'm so unhappy, Clive. I'm, I'm so incredibly unhappy that I dread working in the business. I dread finding, having to find new clients. I dread having to do this work. And if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to continue to do this, I need to do something I love. There's an interesting story that goes along with, with this It involves a car ride and a lot of tears. I went to, I went to San Diego, November 2014, I believe it was for a conference and it was in San Diego, but I couldn't get a direct flight to San Diego. So I had to land in Las Vegas and the drive from Las Vegas to San Diego is about six and a half hours. If you don't arrive on a holiday weekend, which is what Jenny did. So the drive from Vegas to San Diego took over nine hours in a desert. Was super fun. Went to this conference. As soon as I, the funny thing is, as soon as I got on the plane to go to to land in Las, you know, to go to Las Vegas and eventually San Diego, I knew I'd made a huge mistake to go to this conference. As soon as I landed in in Las Vegas, I had dread in my stomach. As soon as I got to San Diego, I knew I was in the wrong place. And for the next, uh, it was a three day conference, and I would technically all told it would be six days away from from Toronto, from home. And by day three, I was a mess because I knew that I had done the wrong thing. This was the wrong conference. I was in the wrong place. I was doing the wrong job. I was having this sort of like huge emotional crisis, who I am and what I do, because everybody's like, oh, who are you? Nice to meet you. What do you do? And every time I said it, I just wanted to rip the tag off, you know, like the you know the tags they give you. And I was having this huge crisis. Um, we can laugh about it now, but it was brutal. And when I had to leave San Diego and again, drive back to Las Vegas, I must have cried the whole way because I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm doing, everything I'm doing is wrong. I'm approaching the business the wrong way. By the way, this conference, there was a lot of people who were approaching business the wrong way. It was very disingenuous and not very authentic. They weren't connecting to their clients. They were connecting to the dollars and the money. And it was this whole like, go get them, get the money. Even if they have to sell their car, even if they have to mortgage their house, it was that kind of marketing. And I'm not about that. So on this way back, I had all these tears. And then on the flight on the way back to Toronto, all these tears. And when I landed and my partner was waiting in the airport, there was this moment where I said, we have to talk. The the business has to change. And I think we didn't even go to sleep. We stayed up and we talked for about six or seven hours. And that was the change in the business. It was like, okay, no longer are we doing this. This is ridiculous. We're going to change it and we're going to be completely this. And we're gonna go for it. We're gonna go for broke because if I don't, I'm gonna be so unhappy that I I can't sit in another airport bawling my eyes out ever again. I have to commit to the change. And that was that was that was it. That was the time. And I didn't stop from there on.
0: So although that sounds rather extreme, you you arrived at at a point finally of yeah. what we could call inspirational dissatisfaction. And use that dissatisfaction to inspire yourself to actually find out what it was you really wanted to do.
1: I could have done without the plane ride, the driving, the conference, and all of that crap. I could have done. I mean, it would have been nice to have arrived at that decision without all of that drama. And agreeably, yes, I would have preferred not to have had done that. Had done that, but it happened. And yes, it was quite the. It was quite the whole thing. It's quite the story but it got me to where I needed to be. I'm notoriously stubborn, Clive, notoriously stubborn. And I dig my heels in for simple things. Like, no, we do not fold our, we do not fold our towels this way. We fold our towels this way. Like I'm very stubborn. And when it came to this, I was like, no, this conference, I'm going to this conference. It's going to be wonderful. It's it's going to be great. It's going to be everything I need. And then literally when they closed the door on the plane, I was like, you're an idiot. What have you done? And And, you know, that was, that whole trip cost me like, four or $5,000. And I'm like, this is a four, four and a half thousand dollar mistake. Congratulations. And I've had to, um, it's now a dinner party conversation and a giggle and it's a laugh over a glass of wine. But at the time, I, I guess I needed that dramatic moment to have the realization. And I hope that people don't have to have that dramatic moment ever, you know, do it more cheaply than me, please get to that realization a lot sooner and a lot less aggravation.
0: Indeed, there are ways for us to uh, to find those answers somewhat more easily than that, but and perhaps without quite the drama.
1: But perhaps higher Clive, and you wouldn't have that drama. Yes.
0: Yes, exactly. But the drama is important because it drives the message home, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it was a. I have a very good and very solid and very vivid reminder: never ever to go back and do the generalisation. To always focus. Yes.
0: And that, of course, is very, very important to to remember why you made the decision to mm-hmm. do what you do and be who you are. Lots of times I see folks go, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be this. And, of course, it's only a, a temporary thing. And yes. then they go back to being what they were, notwithstanding that apparently that was horrible. So That's what they
1: know right? Yes. And, we can, and we can relate that to list building funny enough because when people, and including in the pandemic, people had to make some pivots. Some people made pivots just for the sake of pivoting. And some people made pivots because they really, really had to. And the, the thing about list building and lead generation and you know, attracting a list of buyers and everything is if you have too many pivots in your business and what you do, people get whiplash. The people on your list, the leads that you're pulling in, it creates this whiplash. And they don't buy from something that is confusing them. And if you're confusing them, we've got a problem. So there's, you know, there's something to look at there when it when it comes to your business and it comes to that consistency that I know you're a big fan of and creating that sort of that um, linear story that goes along with what it is that you're trying to do. And I think that people dismiss that going, oh, it's okay, they'll they'll figure it out. No, they won't. They, they they need the help. So I think it's important because I know that's one of the things that you talk about and that you're so passionate about is speaking to that ideal client and being very clear about who those people are.
0: You're absolutely right, and uh, I I often giggle to myself, partly because I'm remembering when I started, of course, but when I'm training somebody in how to sell, for example. Um, one of the biggest mistakes a person makes when they're offering their product or service to somebody else is they forget to ask them to buy. And
1: Right, yes, yes.
0: And, of course, if somebody comes back and says, oh, look, you know, I talked to this person. Oh, they were very keen. Oh, very excited. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, then they didn't buy. Um, why didn't they buy? I don't know why they didn't buy. Did you ask them to buy? Um, no. Why didn't you ask them to buy? Well... <laughs> I told them all about it. They knew what the story was. This is the thing that we tend to confuse ourselves with. If if I want Jenny to do something for me, I actually have to ask Jenny to do something for me because it's my story. It's my script. Jenny doesn't know what the next step is. What's the next chapter, Clive? Oh, didn't exactly. I tell you the next Oh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> so really, really important. So, with your list building let's uh, give all of our listeners out there just just a few glimpses of how they might take advantage of your list profits what what specific things are you covering that i might not be covering
1: good question perhaps what i would say to that is the ability to create a strategy that it bakes in the opportunity to create these connection points with your ideal client on more than one basis. We know, we know the statistics, we know that we have to hit people over the head several times before they understand what we're talking about or make a decision. We know this connection points do something that is intrinsically important, which is creating that, you know, creating that trust factor that people talk about building the relationship connecting to those people on a real level, showcasing yourself as a coach, freelancer, course creator, whatever you are. And then in addition, it creates that opportunity for people to understand what you do and you're seeding your offers. So you'll always be seeding your offers and how you talk and what you say. And so when it comes time to make the sale, it doesn't feel like they just got slapped across the face with an iron pan. It feels like you gently, you know, there was a gentle breeze that came into the room and they're like, oh yes, that makes sense to me. Here's my credit card, please take it. And we have that, you know, that very gentle thing. I like to think of like gentle waves versus, you know the crashing the crashing sort of the sea kind of thing. And that's what we have to create with people. Connection points help do that. And while you're making those connection points you're eliminating those barriers to entry because you're talking about them in real time as they're thinking it you're talking about it you know self-care yeah you have to put self-care into what it is that you do or you know to to be healthy or lose weight you absolutely need to overcome the mindset first let's talk about what that looks like those kinds of things right you have those conversations I'm sure you cover some of that Clive like quite honestly I'm sure that you do in what you do I just might approach it ever so slightly differently. But I try and bake in that strategy that there's going to be an ask, there's always an ask, and that the ask makes sense for what it is that you're talking about at the time. And it makes sense to the person and the journey that they're on. And it makes sense for them to say yes, if it's the right thing for them.
0: Absolutely. And uh, in doing that, of course, you're unlike the conference that you attended and unwillingly in the end, <laughs> where it was all about the money. Yes. Um, The interesting thing that I've learned through the years is that if you go out for the money, you're going to have a great deal of difficulty getting it and you probably won't. But if you actually deliver what you were talking about, that is, what do people want deliver what they want, the money turns up, doesn't
1: it? It does. Uh, And that's the scary part. You think you're taught early on by, if you went to the kind of conference I went to, sadly, you're taught early on that you have to chase it. Ask friends and family, go after this. You know, if you're selling, if you're in an MLM, do dinner parties, blah, blah, blah. You're you're taught to chase the money. But if you sit back and you create that space for those people to come forward and move towards you, because you have great information, you have great offers and great things that you're doing and you're approachable and all these kinds of things, those people make that that movement. My partner calls it the 90-10 rule. Some people call it the 80-20 rule. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Hitch. I talk about this a lot. So there's this movie hitch with Will Smith and he's teaching his, you know, his person, his client, how to get the girl. And he always says, you know, you go 10, have her come the rest of the way kind of thing. Right? So there's that 90, 10 rule. You come 10, they should come 90. And you do that with this, or sorry, that you go 90 and they come 10. So that you do this dance with these people and get them into your sphere of influence and understanding who you are. And they're, they're, just pulled in by what it is that you do. And then when you go to make that offer, they're like, yes. And they just like run up to you and say, yes, let's do this together. It's the best feeling ever when it works. And if you do it right, it does work, right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, I like that you referred to it as a dance because in a dance, when it's working well, we're not treading on each other's toes, are we?
1: No, we're mirroring each other. Yes. We're creating that mirror and that's what you want. You want to you want to be that sort of that dance with people. You know. You want to create that movement that as you move, they move. And at the same time, you're you're mirroring them a little bit so they see themselves in you. They see the opportunity for learning or journey or achieving something or fixing a problem or overcoming something or whatever it's going to be. So they see that in you and they see you as your person. And playing that back into one of the challenges that I've always had, which is that consistency. If we start and stop the music with them too much, they're going to go find a more consistent dance partner. And that's going to mean they leave you. So with that consistency and when we do list profits and we're creating those, you know, we're creating those strategies in terms of the list building that we bake in these kinds of strategies that we create those more connection points, which creates that consistency, which works into the dance. And then they don't leave. They're yours. They're your raving fans. And now they're yours to, sell to to engage with and all those wonderful things that we can do when we have an engaged audience.
0: And Jenny, we could continue this dance for a long time, because I know you have much more story in there that I could elicit from you. But time is against us. But before I let you go, what is the best tip you have received from a business conversation?
1: I mean, this is not disingenuous in any way, shape or form. But one of the best tips that I received in a business conversation, one was to tell a story, which was something that you mentioned to me when we did an interview for my online event, not too long ago. So that's something that resonated with me. It's something that I heard from my father, but it was not in a business conversation. So hearing it from you was really intrinsic for me. And then another piece of information, one of the most monumental things was to drop the, the uh, I guess, drop the premise, drop the, the facade, and just be yourself and let people see who you are and allow them to connect to that. I was very formal at one point and I kept people at a distance even just the way I spoke and came across and nobody was connecting to me so I had to let people in. That was scary for me. I came from a background where I didn't want people to see or get to know me. It was a protection measure and letting people in was scary. So getting that information, getting that, you know, getting that advice felt scary but it allowed people to get to know me and it helped propel my business forward
0: really good information and very very hard for many of us to do but really really good information just show yourself and no facade and all of a sudden the world moves in your direction but what's the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today jenny
1: i'd recommend that you start your list building and you work on your own list profits as soon as possible whatever that is. So take a look at how you're engaging with people and getting them to join your email list. And if it's not working, figure out why, or find somebody that can help you do that. I might know somebody just ask and find a way to up level that list building. If your PDF on your website is not getting any onesies or twosies at all, then let's look at a way to make that actually work for you. It may not actually be the right thing. So I highly recommend that people look at what they're doing in terms of list building. If they're staying in their comfort zone and just thinking, yeah, I've just got that PDF on my website. I don't need to do anything else. Then I'm the kind of person who makes you uncomfortable because I'm going to say, I want you to do more. And I want to push you. I recently heard a story about somebody, you know, telling their client that they had to go back and figure out why people do the things they do, you know, in terms of a clothing brand. So that was a good story. And that was an uncomfortable thing to have to stop what they were doing and go back into the past and stuff. I want people to understand their their ideal clients so well that they can connect and create those types of list builds that resonate and connect and create some change. That's going to help your list building. That's probably my best tip. Get started ASAP and figure out what is going to work best.
0: An excellent tip, Jenny. But most importantly, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation?
1: Right now, the best way is to go to the website systemtothrive.com. It is the website that is associated with the podcast that I do with my co-host, Allison Lex. But at the moment of this recording, my current website, jennywright.com, is under construction. And so if you go there, it's going to look like possibly, depending on when this comes out, it might look like the hot mess that it's been for a while. So I'd rather you go to systemtothrive.com, check out the resources that we have there. You can obviously connect with me. There's a there's a contact form, connect with me there. And I'd love to have an open a conversation on how we can get list building working in your favor.
0: That's excellent. And system to thrive is just that. System2thrive, all one word dot com. Jenny, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Clive. I found this so interesting and I hope it brought value.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app, and you can find more business resources at clivenever.com.au.